0: Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Randall Wilbur, who was a client of Teen Challenge and now as an adult runs the new facility in Billings, Montana.
1: I remember waking up in a a sad, um, it was a meth house and I I called my mom and said, mom, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm tired. And uh, this was in the early days of the internet and so she, I think she might have like had to ask Jeeves (laughs) but she found Teen Challenge on the internet and uh, he had the wisdom to say, you need to get out of Colorado and got me to Oklahoma. And there was a Teen Challenge just uh, outside a lot in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, in a small town called Cash. That's where Jesus met me and his love changed my life. And I knew that it was so real and it was so powerful that I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was help men experience what I had experienced.
0: Patrick Herman sits down with Randall Wilbur next.
2: Randall yep. Wilber is the executive director of the Billings, Montana Adult and Teen Challenge. Thanks for being with us today on His People.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to chatting.
2: Let's begin with the ministry. I think most people will rec- recognize the name Teen Challenge, but it's more than that, isn't it? Can you, can you fill us in on that?
1: Traditionally, Teen Challenge has been just that, Teen Challenge, but about... Six, seven, eight years ago, uh, there was some confusion, and so they actually changed the name to Adult and Teen Challenge. Um, we are we we serve more than just adolescents. So I'm the director of a of an adult men's program here in Billings.
2: Now you mentioned there are 15 men in your program right now. Is that is that about right still?
1: Yeah. So here at the Billings Men's Campus, we have about 15 men in our program. Um, we are working on expanding our bed capacity we were blessed with uh, a grant and so we bought five acres and two more houses across town and so uh, after the beginning of the year we'll be expanding opening up uh, one new residential so we'll be adding at least 12 more beds and so we'll grow to 27. Um, and so we're part of the pacific northwest region which means we have Uh, 14 programs across Alaska, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Montana. And David
2: Wilkerson actually started the program, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So David Wilkerson was uh, the guy that started Teen Challenge. He was pastoring a small church in rural Pennsylvania. He was spending some time in prayer uh, back in 1958. And at the time, he, he went into his office, and there was a Time magazine that was open And at the time, it was one of those kind of O.J. Simpson trial of the century kind of things. And um, it was uh, it was these seven teenage boys that were on trial for murder. Um, They had brutally attacked a a young kid in a park that had uh, he was in a wheelchair suffering from polio. When they asked him why they did it, they because there was nothing better to do. And it was uh, so God, God spoke to him, gripped him. David had never worked with troubled kids, didn't know the first thing about it. But God told him to go to New York and help those kids. And in, in the process, um, it, it Teen Challenge didn't start off as a residential thing. Uh, David started doing like street evangelism. But what they came to realize was as they were evangelizing prostitutes and heroin addicts and, and gang members was that, It's one thing to get somebody to have a conversion experience, but then the discipleship that's needed for long term change is a whole other thing. And that's where the concept of getting them to come to the house and opening up a long term residential uh, where they could be discipled. And that's to this day, that's teen challenges were long term discipleship programs that help people. Uh, with life controlling problems.
2: I would think the same thing is true about David Wilkerson. It is with you or any of the mentors is you don't know you're getting yourself into You're going to be going into some new scenario. It's a new challenge. Every every single teen that you get or every single adult. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. Every, I mean, people are so individual. I mean, there's no one size fits all. And so every person, yeah, every everybody has a, a unique set of experiences what you do find that is helpful is that a lot of the staff, like so my staff here at the Billings Center, um, almost all of our staff are actual graduates of the program. Mm -hmm. And so that does help when you can look into the eyes of a man that's sitting in a chair broken and say, listen, man, I I see you. I know what that feels like. Um, I've been there and there is hope if you just stick it out and, and God will meet you. And so that is one of the nice things
2: you said long term how long term is a 6 months
1: program 3 months what is it so we are a 12 month program depending on how they do obviously uh, it can go up to 15 months but typically a 12 month program is a is what we would consider completion and then it's not just like so 12 months and then we kick you back out to the streets we have aftercare Um, we partner with a ministry called absolute ministries, and they, they specialize in people that have, um, completed long-term residential programs. They help them find housing and, and vehicles and jobs. And so we try to get them connected with that, the route that I took. So I completed the program, um, and then I did what we call an internship with Teen Challenge. And so that's like, it's leadership development. You're growing and learning the ropes of what being a staff member looks like. And uh, I did that for, um, back then it was a two-year course. Now an internship is about a year long. And so that's another aftercare option. Somebody that comes through the program God does a work in them and they feel like maybe this is something that I would like to participate in. And so there's that option as well.
2: So you've been through the program yourself.
1: Correct. Tell us your story. So I was born in Oklahoma. I grew up in Colorado. That's kind of where I did, did all my dirt. Yeah. By the, you know, it, it was weird. I was raised in a, you know, my, my folks split up when I was six. And so my mom and my stepdad and us, we moved to Colorado and, um, Raised in a good Christian home. Um, We went to church. We went to a small Assembly of God church in Montrose, Colorado. Um, I knew about God, but by the age of 19 years old, I had found myself, I had dropped out of high school. I was homeless. I had been strung out on methamphetamines. I had ruined every relationship. I was so, I mean, I was stealing everything wrong you could think of with a person. I was doing it and just out of control. I was going to die or go to prison. That was it. And I, uh, I remember waking up in a, in a sad, um, it was a meth house. And I, I called my mom and said, mom, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. And, uh, this was in the early days of the internet. And so she, I think she might've like had to ask Jeeves or whatever, but she found teen challenge on the internet. And, uh, Got me had the wisdom to say you need to get out of Colorado and got me to Oklahoma, and there was a teen challenge just uh, outside a lot in Fort Hill, Oklahoma, in a small town called Cash, and uh, uh, that's where that's where Jesus met me and His love changed my life. Wow. And, I, and I knew that it was so real and it was so powerful that I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was help men experience what I had experienced. I even had a dream and I felt like God was laid it on my heart that what I was supposed to do in my life was start a teen challenge in an area of the country that there wasn't one. So about four years ago started to really look into it. And um, yeah, so I had my conversion experience at teen challenge fast forward, like 15 years later um, I I'm back working at the same program. I was the campus pastor of the same program that I had went through and just wrestling with this, like, I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Go start a teen challenge somewhere. And so I, I started to look it up and there were four States that didn't have a men's program, uh, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah. Wow. So kind of the swath of the mountain West region. That's really underserved in a lot of different ways. Um, churches, ministries like this. And so, um, Yeah, just was able to partner with the Pacific Northwest region. They had actually, it was a complete God thing. Um, But they had said that they had been praying for years to find somebody that would want to take some ownership and start a program in Billings. And I felt like I should be that guy. And we partnered together with the Pacific Northwest, May of 2020, uh, moved from Oklahoma to start this program. And we've been operational for a little over two years now.
2: And you so actually were, were part of uh, some endeavors in Wyoming, too, weren't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, after I completed the program and did an internship, I actually went to Bible College, um, which was, you know, I, I dropped the last grade I had completed was my sophomore year of high school. After that, I just quit going. And so I got my GED when I was a student at Teen Challenge. I got to go to Bible College at Southwestern Assembly of God University Um, met my wife, um, and met some really good friends and they moved to Jackson, Wyoming to plant a church. And, uh, I went back after I graduated school, went back to teen challenge to work. And, um, he would call me every week and say, man, I really think you're supposed to be up here helping him and the Lord won me over. and So we moved to Jackson (laughs) for about four years to help, uh, be on staff at a real small church there in Jackson.
2: All right. So let's talk about now, since May of 2020, you've been there in Billings and growing that ministry there in this region that really needs the, the light of Jesus. Tell me about the the new campus, the, the new two houses, and what that will mean for Teen and Adult Challenge.
1: Yeah. Well, um, so we moved up here, like I said, in May, and we started taking students in November we're currently operating out of uh, um it's a seven bedroom, four bath house. Um, if you're familiar with the Billings area, it's located up in the Heights. Um, but we I knew quickly that, you know, the capacity of 50. I mean, we just filled our beds almost immediately and stay full. We have a waiting list constantly. And that's not okay. Um, we want to try to help as many people as we possibly can. I hate having to tell somebody that, hey, I don't have room for you when moms call and they're you know looking for help for their sons. Um, and so uh, we started to look around and um, a guy that actually came to one of our fundraising events um, was looking to get rid of uh, the, the five acres and the couple houses and, and he gave it to us for just about half price. And so that was kind of a, the Lord working. And then we approached um, uh, our governor, uh, Greg Gianforte. He has a family foundation and they believe in the work that we're doing and they purchased the the, the property for us. Um, I was able to do a little bit of fundraising to get uh, the houses renovated and in good shape. There was a little, quite a bit of work that needed to be done to them. And so for the last five months that's what we've been working on is getting those houses ready Uh, at the beginning of the year we're going to open up the front house for uh, just residential so we'll have more beds Um, so currently we have the capacity for 15 that'll take us to 27 and uh, this the back house on the property we're going to use for um, offices And uh, there's one large uh, room that we'll use for like a multi-purpose room. That's where we'll do um, chapels and classroom. And I think that's where the guys are even going to eat. And so it'll be a lot of different things. And then on the other side of the house, there'll be some office space in there. And so we'll kind of balance between the new property and then still utilize the current house that we're in to make the 27 beds. Long term, what I want to do, because there's so much room out there, is build a large 30 to 40 bed, um, multi-purpose building that'll house everything, commercial kitchen, classroom, chapel, offices, all in one building. And then we'll utilize those front houses for uh, other things. So long-term vision and goals and um, just believing that God's with us and, and his time will work out.
2: And five acres, that's going to give you some, some extra room to do certain things. Do you have any ideas to do of things to do with the land?
1: Yeah, for sure. So there's, um, there's already an existing kind of a volleyball court. So we'll dig that out and make that nice. There's a small basketball court. Um, there's a, there's a, like a barn kind of an area that I I think eventually we'll have a garden and maybe some chickens and, um, One of the first things I want to do over there is I want to have a really, really nice playground uh, put in. And so that way, uh, kids, when they come visit their dads in the program, they'll be connected to wonderful memories and they'll have fun and it'll be a place that... They don't want to leave. And so it'll start some of that healing and restoration for fathers to their kids. So that's one of the first things that we're going to do is, is uh, try to put up a nice playground out there.
2: That's super. You were mentioning something about the uh, the amount of people that are depressed in your area, along with Alaska, which is also another dark place for the winter. Can you share some of those findings with us?
1: Yeah. So there's been some reports that, I, you know, I was reading... Um, Not too long ago, maybe just a week or two ago, that per capita Billings is ranked the number one most depressed city in the country, which just really shocked me. But statistics don't lie. It's the most more people are prescribed antidepressants in Billings, Montana, per capita than anywhere else in the country which and, and then so there, there's a couple other stats. So Montana has the highest alcohol attributable death rate. Mm-hmm. So more people die due to alcohol related things than anywhere else in the country. And then a lot of times they flip kind of back and forth between Montana and Alaska, but uh, they're, they're it's top in the country for the suicide rate here as well. And so all of those things, when you put it all together and there's other statistics too, I'm sure that I'm not even aware of, but it just points to the idea that there's a lot of hopelessness. um, There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of, there's a lack of joy in life. And I mean, people are just hurting here. And um, I, I truly believe with all my heart that God sent us to Billings to be a part of that solution um it, you know it's it's the starfish uh story yeah, can you know the 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 all the stuff, boys walking on the ocean and he sees all these starfish laying up on the beach and it's like i i can't i can't possibly save all of them but the ones that i do pick up and throw back into the ocean i i made a difference for them and so Um, That's kind of what I think of when I think about teen challenges. I I can't help everybody that has an addiction problem or has a life controlling problem, but we will help some.
2: How many do you think you turn away? I know that's kind of a a sad prospect to even think about, but what do you think? What's the percentage that you need to turn, turn away?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm not just, I get calls every week of people wanting to get into the program. Um, Sometimes it's just one call, sometimes it's three or four or five, um, literally every week for, and have basically since we've been open. I don't know how many that is. I mean, we've been operating for years, uh, two years now. And I mean, even if it's just one call a week, at 52 weeks a year, um, you're looking at hundreds of people I've had to turn away and what I do offer somebody is I say, listen, I, I may not have room for you here, but if you're really serious about getting help, there are places that we can get you to. And so we always try to offer that. And we've sent people to other places, too. But are you seeing more teens or adults
2: that enter into your program? What's the, the percentage there?
1: Well, just because the na- I mean, we have more men's programs than we have anything else. And so definitely we, we do tend to help more men. Because that's what we have more of, I would say that if we opened up an adolescent boys program here somewhere in our region, uh, that would be I think that would be the next step on something that would be within our mission um, that I think there's a real need for that is some more adolescent programs.
2: Now you were mentioning in our community calendar segment that you guys are out there with a couple of lots selling Christmas trees, just trying to raise funds. This has got to cost a lot of money. Tell us about some of the financial aspects of running such a ministry.
1: Yeah. Um, we don't, Teen Challenge has always hung their hat kind of on the idea that we don't turn anybody away because of lack of finances. We're not, you know, we're not, um, we're not some government, like we don't get a check from the state every month to help. Um, we operate purely off of um, donations and fundraising and our, the work that we do and so um, the, the number that the, that our regional office has put together is per, per student in our program, it costs about $3,600 a month for them to be in our program. That's to pay our staff, mortgage. And I mean, just that's what it takes per student to be in our program is about $3,600 a month. That's a lot. And we typically, it is. Um, but also compared to like what a lot of 30, 60, 90 day secular programs are charging. I mean, it's not unheard of for a secular program, a 30 day to charge $20,000 a month. I mean, that's that's realistic in a lot of places. So we're actually on the very, very, very low end, even though that is a lot. Um, but that $3,600, we break that into three categories that we try to make, make up for that. Um, the first is that we do, we, we fundraise. Um, we have different events throughout the year. Selling Christmas trees is one of them. Um, so most of our campuses across the Pacific Northwest sell Christmas trees. Um, we do. I, we have a gala, uh, uh, just a, a banquet event that we do. Um, I, I go speak at churches all across Montana. Um, so we fundraise for a good chunk of it. Um, we have our vocations program, which means uh, our students that come, we vet them and we partner with different like-minded people that own businesses in the communities and we send our guys to work with them. But instead of the student getting a paycheck, that goes towards them paying for part of their program. And so we don't, the the most they ever work is about 20 hours a week. And so, and that's even later in their program. The first part of their program is real program heavy. And so um, between fundraising and vocations, Uh, fundraising it's 1200 vocations it's 1200 and then we have a program called uh, we call it friends and family where we ask that friends and family members of the student uh, if you can help participate financially to cover the costs then we we invite you to do that again we don't ever turn anybody away because of lack of finances but those are the three main components of how we try to financially make sense of things.
2: Randall, give us some perspective of how you instill Jesus in their lives. Now, do they know when they're coming into this program, it is heavily
1: uh, a
2: ministerial program?
1: Yeah, oh yeah for sure. Upfront, we, you know, on the very beginning of our intake process, everybody that comes to the program, we're not like bait and switch kind of thing. Right. We're very unapologetically, um, we're a discipleship ministry. We what that looks, and and you don't have to be a Christian to to show up, um, but you just need to know what you're getting into. So the way we're structured is we do chapel five days a week, and so for uh, 30 to 45 minutes, um, different staff members, we invite pastors from the community to come and pour into our students. Um, We start the day with what we call is devos. And we follow the, the, the soap method. So the student will read a chapter of the Bible, and they will write what's called a soap. So they'll uh, find a scripture in that chapter that stuck out to them. So there's your S, you'll write an observation, you'll write an application and a prayer. And so they write out a one page soap. Every day. So they they start their day off with the word of God through through their own personal devotions. And then they get the word of God, like proclaimed over them, because I, I truly believe that that is the I mean, it's the it's the parable of the sower and the seed. Uh, he's sowing seed, which is the word of God. And hopefully it's falling on the soil of a heart that is ripe to produce fruit. And so that's one of the most valuable tools that we have in our in our arsenal is God's word in these men's lives, because it has the power to take root and to change somebody. And so that's uh, we do a bunch of other things. We have um, we have an education coordinator that takes our guys through. um, We have 14 group studies for New Life in Christ called GSNLs. They tackle topics such as anger and personal rights, uh, obedience to God spiritual power and the supernatural, um, just different uh, foundational discipleship tools that help these guys figure out what healthy life looks like from a Christian worldview. We take the guys to church Sunday mornings, uh, Wednesday nights, and just collectively everything that we do flows through the filter of discipleship. And so whether it's at vocations and they're Um, rolling tires at Staley's Tire at the warehouse, or whether they're doing outreach and going downtown and and handing out water bottles and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to homeless people, whatever activity that we do, it's all filtered through uh, discipleship.
2: You know, you'd mentioned um, putting together a playground so that the kids that are coming to see their dads can hang out. Do, the, do they get to reconnect at church as well, those fathers at church to the kids to get to come and hang out with them there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, particularly for the guys that are uh, in this area, we definitely invite their children to come sit with them at church uh, to start rekindling that, that process. Um, the guys are eligible. So after your first two weeks, your first two weeks that you're a student here, um, we kind of, that's our orientation period that, you know, there's no, there's no phone calls, there's no mails, you're just here and getting used to being here. After your first two weeks, we open it up, you're actually eligible to have family approved family members come and visit you at the house. Mm. So you can bring your mom or your sister, or your kids and, and come and spend a four hour period um, in the safety and accountability of what we provide here. And so that's a huge, I mean, navigating relationships and wading through forgiveness and finding healing and and rest. I mean, that's a huge part of what we do here. So, yeah.
2: Tell us as we're, you know, in closing here, what's on the horizon, 2023? What's, what does it look like? I know the, the facility is probably the biggest thing, but do you have anything coming up that you can kind of fill us in
1: on? Yeah. So we're going to close the year, hopefully strong with the Christmas tree sales, We've got. Uh, obviously, we're just going to hit the ground running. Uh, our first quarter, we have what's called a bowlathon. It's just kind of a fun way for people to get involved, and it's a small, small fundraiser that we do. Um, we call it Pins for Hope. Um, so we'll do a bowlathon in. Uh, I think that's February or March, one of the two. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 expand into the new property. We'll start utilizing that. There are possibly trying to open the door in wyoming uh to partner with um there's an existing uh program down in wyoming that we may be um working with and and helping them get established and going and so that we can start helping people in wyoming as well and so that's that's exciting so yeah it's uh, god's growing his kingdom you know it makes me think of jesus uh having a conversation with peter And um, he says it specifically to Peter. He says, uh, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so that's what I think that Jesus has continually been doing is building his church. And there's nothing that will stop it. It may ebb and flow, but the church and the kingdom of God will prevail. And I see that God's doing that through the ministry of Teen Challenge. He. He is advancing and growing and he is meeting the need of broken people. It's fun to be a part of. It's a, it's, it's a hard work. It's a difficult ministry. Um, You're dealing with broken people. You're dealing with spiritual warfare. And uh, so I would just covet the prayers of people when they think about teen challenge and they think about um, the people that are trying to find uh, deliverance from, addiction, um, pray for our students, pray for our staff that wade into the mess that is that life. And it's, it's, it's Galatians, uh, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And when I think about a Teen Challenge staff member, that's exactly what we do. We, we come alongside people that are burdened, and we help bear that. And so it's a heavy thing to be a part of. And so pray for our staff, um, pray for the finances that people would um, recognize the value of what we're doing and that um, they would want to financially be a part of so that we can continue to have the policy of we won't turn somebody away because they don't have anything. So yeah, those are some kind of closing thoughts I have.
2: Randall Wilbur, Executive Director of Adult and Teen Challenge of Billings. Thanks for being with us today on His People.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest today, Randall Wilbur, Executive Director of the Billings Adult and Teen Challenge. To learn more, go to teenchallengepnw.com. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Trevin Wax urging believers to rediscover the adventure of the Christian faith.
2: What I wanted to show is that actually orthodoxy is. It is thrilling, the fact that we... We believe these things that um, are really at the heart of the adventure of the Christian faith. Uh, Orthodoxy brings together things that you would think would have to be separate and brings them together in ways that are a source of creative and explosive
0: power. That's tomorrow at this same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.